0: to micro-fail their way into massive success and growth. We are Mindset Impact Strategic Catalysts, helping innovative entrepreneurs focus. We are CEO Mischief Makers. Ready to make a little mischief? Hey, hey, CEO Mischief Makers, MKJ here, and I get to introduce you to a pretty cool guy. I've had a conversation with him already. It was introduced from another person you've already heard on this show, Sierra Lewick. But this is Dr. Noah St. John. Noah, how you doing? I'm doing great, MK. How are you? (laughs) I am fan stinking-tastic. I'm really excited to dive into our conversation today because I know you've done some incredible things. You've been involved in incredible things. And I can't Mm -hmm. wait to hear your tips relating to what you do, finance and, and money mindset and all those things. So let's start with just really, what was the mindset shift? One of the most important mindset shifts you had to make to start what it is you're doing now.
1: Well, you know, I got to go back just a little bit to tell you, give you some context here because I grew up poor in a rich neighborhood. And I know that's a total cliche, but it's totally true. I grew up in a little town called Kennebunkport, Maine, which happens to be one of the wealthiest communities in New England. But my family was dirt poor. And I mean that literally because we lived at the bottom of a dirt road in a drafty, unfinished house that my parents ended up losing to foreclosure when I was just 15 years old. So from a very young age, I was painfully exposed to the gap, the chasm between the haves and the have nots. The haves was everyone else in the community. The have nots was my family. And so, you know, from a very young age, I hated that life of poverty, fear, lack, not enoughness. That's what I knew in my family growing up. But I saw that right down the street, there's great wealth and abundance. So I literally said, how the heck do I get from here to there? You know, and of course, there was no one to help me. I didn't have any mentors or coaches, and there was no internet back then, of course. And so I just did what we nerds love to do, which is go to the library. You know, as you can see, I love books. I mean, I've published 17 books now, my 18th, 19th coming out next year. But, you know, I just always love books. And, you know, the library was the internet before the internet, right? So yep. for you millennials and younger, like, what's a library? I know, that's rough. <laughs> anyway. So I just read every book on self-help, personal development that I could, the classics, you know, Dale Carnegie, Napoleon Hill, Stephen Covey. And I just I really consumed them. I really tried to get them to work, but I couldn't get them to work as hard as I tried. I just I couldn't put it together. I couldn't make it work. So at the age of 25, I decided to commit suicide because I was so depressed and frustrated and, you know, working so hard for nothing. And, you know, I was like, why bother? I I really don't want to be here anymore. So at the very last minute, my life was spared at the last moment. And so I realized, okay, I'm here on this earth, but I don't know why. I don't know, what is my purpose? Why, why am I here? And so, number one, I didn't know the answer to that question. But number two, I didn't know how to answer that question. So I went back to the library and started reading more books, but this time more spiritual books. You know, the first, the first journey was more like an outer journey, success and money and wealth. And really, that didn't work for me. I mean, I, I couldn't put it together you know, with that, that traditional stuff. And so I, you know, the second journey was an inner journey, really about who am I and what is my purpose, and reading books by, you know, Ernest Holmes, Marianne Williamson, Louise Hay, Neil Donald Walsh, Deepak Chopra, you know, the spiritual thinkers of our time. And then in 1997, I had two epiphanies that really gave me my purpose on the earth. And, you know, the first was when I discovered affirmations, which is how to use empowering questions to change your brain, literally change your beliefs and change your habits and change your life. And then the second was when I discovered something called success anorexia, which is something that no one had ever talked about before. And I'm the person that discovered that and, you know, (laughs) wrote all these books about it. And so I know that was a very long answer to your question, your short question, but it it was the whole of the journey for me. That led to the work that I've been doing now these last 25 years. You know, I started in 1997 in a 300-square-foot basement apartment with $800 in a book on HTML. And now I live in a 6,000-square-foot mansion on a hill that my clients lovingly call Success Manor. you know, which is pretty nice. So, <laughs> you know, but that's really, it's been this whole journey of, you know, as I, as I teach, as I work with my clients on inner game and outer game. And it's only when you put those two things together that you have, the phenomenon called success, happiness, fulfillment, you know, whatever you want to call it. Wow. Okay. So a couple of things that
0: you, you definitely kind of not necessarily skated over, but introduced in a very haphazard or, you know, (laughs) no big deal way, deciding you're going to commit suicide and coming back from that at the last moment, we have to Mm -hmm. acknowledge, I've talked to a number of people who've been in that place. Tony Mm -hmm. Grebmeyer was on this show, and he talked about his experience with that as well. But I I really want to focus on the questions. You mentioned specifically the affirmations and Mm -hmm. understanding the questions you need to ask and diving Mm -hmm. into those questions. Do those two things connect? First off, is my first question, your decision to commit suicide and coming back from that. And what's the difference between the questions you finally either paid attention to or asked or answered that mm-hmm. created success manner and the questions you were asking since day one when you went to the library and looking for all the answers in the outward sense. Mm-hmm. So again, I know I've woven that in a bit, but start with what you mentioned about really wanting to commit suicide and tie that into this idea of questions, for- mm-hmm. please.
1: Yeah. And you know it's funny I never shared that story before for years and years I never shared that story because I felt like it I didn't want it I didn't want people to feel like I was trying to get pity or something or poor me or whatever and then one day somebody asked me I was literally you know on stage I was speaking at one of my seminars and somebody asked me a question and for some reason that story just poured out of me and the audience had a very strong reaction to it and I'm like oh Wow, maybe I should share that, you know. And so ever since I, you know, in my books subsequently, and you know, my trainings, I, I do share that story. Not for pity, not for me, but because, well, number one, there's a lot of people feeling like that, you know, and have been in that kind of position. Of course, many people are right now. I mean, the suicide rate, unfortunately, sadly, keeps going up and up with these tough economic times and so forth. And so, I want people to realize that if if i can get out of that then hopefully anybody can and i really i believe that anybody can and going back to your point of questions that really was it and and the the question that really i was asking when i was in that very low point was why bother that literally was the question why bother why bother to get up why bother to go to work why bother living you know and that's a not a very good question as you can say that's not great because the point of course was i believe that nothing i did made any difference and i also believe the corollary of that was well no one would care if i wasn't here anyway and then there's the even further point which is well you know what people would probably be happier if i wasn't around and i i believed all those things i did i absolutely believed all those things that you know you know people would not only wouldn't care but they'd probably be happier if i wasn't here so that's a really 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 disempowering belief as you can see okay so that disempowering question of why bother you know if if you find yourself asking that for the folks watching and listening i mean that that's not a good question <laughs> that's that's really bad i mean that's when you, you frankly you need to get some help really you know whether, whether it's me whether it's a coach a mentor some a friend somebody get help because that is not a good place to be as i can say from personal experience so then your second question was i, f- I forget your second question because <laughs> that was a long yeah, answer no <laughs>
0: no and i wove it in so of course What is the difference between that outer journey of asking all those questions and looking, reading all those books Mm -hmm. outwardly of how to create Mm -hmm. success and the questions you finally asked and answered or had answered Mm -hmm. that led to success? Yeah, right. Really where you are. Right, right.
1: Well, the, the book that really made the most difference to me was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Dr. Stephen Covey. And, and I got the opportunity to actually to interview Dr. Covey before he sadly passed away a few years ago. I mean, several years ago now. And he was, he was just perfect. He was exactly what you would want Stephen Covey to be, for those of you who are Stephen Covey fans, which everybody should be, I hope. And so he, he was just so humble and so just himself. And I was like, wow, what a role model. In fact, he said something that I'll I'll never forget because I asked him and this was, you know, literally before I'd written any of my books or I didn't even I hadn't discovered success anorexia yet. This was in 1996, actually, the year before I had my epiphanies and started my company, you know, successclinic.com and, you know, literally everything. But I knew I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a speaker, an author, you know, a coach. And, you know, I got the opportunity to interview him. And so I asked him one question. I said, how do you, Dr. Covey, how do you handle it when people worship you when they just, and remember, this was before social media and everything like that. So this was, like I said, 1996, quite a long time ago. I mean, just at the dawn of the internet, really. So there was no, you know, Instagram and TikTok and social media stuff. So I I literally asked him, how do you handle it when people worship you when you just, you know, they say you're the greatest thing? And how do you not get a big head? You know, how do you, how do you handle that? And he said something I never forgot. He said, Noah, I want people to leave my seminars more impressed with themselves than with me. Wasn't that a great quote? Isn't that a great quote? And I mean, it's something that was so him, you know, just a humble person. And see, that is so the opposite, isn't it, of what we have today with social media and All the gurus out there, and look at all my cool stuff, and aren't I awesome? And look at my jet and my helicopter. And it's like, I get why they do that. I totally get it. I mean, we have to have aspirational marketing. That's what it's called. It's called aspirational marketing. Don't you want to be cool like me? Right, is what they're saying. And so, give me money, and I'll show you how to be cool like me. Which they really don't. You know, they (laughs) they really don't do that. But my point of that is that you know, listening to him and then getting into the work that you know I've been privileged to do now the last twenty five years, I realize that that's what. People really want and need, which is okay. I want to, number one, be who I really am. And number two, I want to be paid for that. <laughs> you know, those are two very different things, by the way. I mean, generally speaking, you can't just walk in a room and say, okay, now everybody love me and give me money. Wouldn't that be great, though? Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, if that's you, your, your name is Paris Hilton or Kim Kardashian. I mean, that's kind of <laughs> it, right? I mean, that's the it. rest of us <laughs> schlubs have to work, right? We have to do this annoying thing called add value, right? But even in all fairness, they are adding value. Even celebrities like that, there's a value there, if you you know believe that. But I mean, you know Paris Hilton, she goes to a club or Kim Kardashian. They go to a club. They're paid $100,000 just to show up because the club owner says, hey, if somebody cool like that who has a big following comes to my club, then everybody want to come to my club. So there is value, even though it doesn't really make much sense. But anyway, so the point is that the questions that I started to ask were you know, now I call them affirmations, which is, you know, what I've written all these books about among other things. But, you know, the, it's our empowering questions that instead of disempowering questions, which literally do that, they take away your power to act. That's what a disempowering question, like why bother? I mean, I might as well just sit on the couch and watch Netflix, you know, because you asked a really, really disempowering question. So using an empowering question is, you know, it literally flips it on its head and it, allows you to access your own inner power. Wow.
0: So how does that now tie that in for me with this success anorexia
1: idea? Um, Yes. So just close that out for me. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So in 1997, I was at a seminar on eating disorders when I had this epiphany. and, And now I didn't have an eating disorder, but one of my former professions was a professional ballet dancer. So I'm a former professional ballet dancer. So I'm literally the only person in the business and personal growth industry who used to make a living lifting ballerinas. Nobody else can claim that. That's (laughs) I own that. But anyway. (laughs) Very uh,
0: proud of that fact. I know, right? I mean, that's pretty exciting.
1: I had a very short career. I I did have a career-ending injury at age 22, so it was only literally from 18 to 22, a very short career, and then that was it. The the body said, no, I'm done, not doing it, so like, oh, thanks a lot. Anyway, so being a former professional ballet dancer, I knew lots of people, you know, in my career who had eating disorders, even though I didn't have one. So the speaker was talking at this seminar about why people develop eating disorders. I'm like, holy crap. I mean, I identify with every single one of those. You know, she said, well, they have low self-esteem and, you know, feel like people would be happier if they weren't around. I'm like, well, geez, I just decided to commit suicide a few years ago. And, you know, but they're excel in school. They get straight A's. They're overachievers, but they have no self-worth. I'm like, oh my God, I check every box. And then I said, well, why didn't I develop an eating disorder? And then it hit me. I mean, it literally was the flash of insight that changed my life when I realized that I wasn't starving myself of food, I was starving myself of success. And so I became the first person to identify this condition that no one had ever talked about, called, and I called it, I named it success anorexia. So if you think about it, it is a condition that causes behaviors, just like anorexia is a condition that causes behaviors. Now, the classic behavior that everybody talks about and everybody knows about is called self-sabotage. Right. We've seen a million books written about self-sabotage. But, do you know, before my work, you know, that I've been writing my books and my coaching and teaching and online courses for the last 25 years. Other than my work, everybody talks about self-sabotage in this way. Well, if you're sabotaging yourself, don't do that. Wow, that's really helpful. Thank you. I never thought ah, of that. Wow. I'm, I feel so much better now. Right. I mean, that's literally that's really their answer. It's like, OK, hey, if you're sabotaging yourself, stop doing that. <laughs> oh, wow, that's awesome. Thank you. You know, it's literally like saying to an anorexic, hey, why don't you just eat? Yeah, No kidding. Thank you. You know, are you getting the sarcasm here? No, this, that, that doesn't yes. work. It, it's stupid. No. But literally, that's what so everybody's up here talking at the symptom level. You know, the mm-hmm. symptom is, you know, you're sabotaging, you're holding yourself back. I call it driving down the road of life, with one foot on the brake. Right, so you're literally holding yourself back of the level of success you're capable of. So lots of people, you know, lots of these guys have written all these books and stuff about it, but that was their so-called answer. It's like, well, don't do that. Get out of your own way. Okay, how would you like me to do that, dum dum? You know, it's it's like, okay. Imagine you're in your car and you're driving around and you're lost, and you know, for some reason, your the GPS on your phone isn't working and you can't. You can't get a signal or whatever, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I don't know where I am." So you pull over to the side of the road and you say, "Excuse me, can you tell me where I am?" And the person says, "Yeah, you're in a car." Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah, you're right here, really You're standing you. next to me. Yeah. He didn't see anything wrong, but it also didn't help at all, right? So that's wow. what those guys are like when it comes to these kind of behaviors, the self sabotage, holding yourself back, and so success anorexia I discovered is the condition that actually causes the behavior. So one of the reasons, by the way. That I'm known for helping my clients make more in just 12 weeks than they made in the past 12 months, literally adding six, seven, and eight figures in record time is because I get to the cause of the behavior, not just the behavior. Because if you're only talking about behavior, right, it's exactly like putting on a putting a band-aid on someone who you know is having a heart attack. It's like this is not helping, right? And or another example would be like if you have a toothache, right? And you go to the dentist. And, and, you know, man, my teeth really hurts. And the dentist says, yep, yeah, you got a cavity there. All right, here, here's some painkillers. Have some pain pills. And you're like, "That? wait, what? I mean, okay, that's sort of helping, but no, you didn't fix the problem, right? And so that's, you know, one of the reasons why my clients, you know, and I've added over two, Billion dollars. I mean, literally billions of dollars. Two point eight billion dollars at this point, you know, in added uh, revenues. You know, really lost revenues because this success anorexia is holding so many people back without their knowledge, and so they're they're going to all those guys out there, all the gurus, right, who are giving advice at the symptom level, like I'm talking about. But then they come to me and they say, No, I've gone to all these seminars. How come I'm still stuck? And I go, Well, because they left out all the good stuff. So we fill that in, and they go, Hockey stick, you know. <laughs> like
0: that, <laughs> it's done. So, what
1: awesome.
0: if someone listening to us and we're specifically talking about mindset shifts,
1: mm-hmm. yep.
0: To you've you've outlined several of your mindset shifts. Mm-hmm. What can they look at? What question can they ask themselves? Obviously, an affirmation mm-hmm. and not a a negative question mm-hmm. or a, a mm-hmm. destabilizing question. What mm-hmm. can they? How? Where can they start to shift their mindset? to create, to get out of this success anorexia or right. this sabotage and all those things? What can, right. they, what can they ask themselves to shift that mindset?
1: Absolutely. So, you know, this is something that I work with my clients on. I talk in my books and my online courses about all the time. And, you know, I mean, one of the things that I call it also is head trash, right? This is one of my books called Get Rid of Your Head Trash About Money. And by the way, you know, your, your viewers, your listeners can get this for free at sendmeabooknoah.com. That's the website. Easy to remember. Send me a book, Noah dot com. <laughs> and we we send it to you. The book's free. We just ask you to cover the shipping at com. Easy to remember. But so so if you think about it, here's here's one of the places that we start with with everybody. Number one, you want to ask yourself what it is that you want. Now, I know everybody says that, right? Oh, you got to set your goals. I'm awesome. our goal static Yeah. OK, well, yes and no. I mean, so we humans are goal oriented organisms. I mean, we think about something that we want and then we take steps to go get it, you know, whether it's You know a new job a new house a new car or a ham sandwich for lunch i mean that we're always going after what we want right so there's there's no way around that okay but here's the problem well there's several problems but one problem is number one most people just really aren't very clear on what they want what they really want right and so you know people say to me well noah you know i want to make more money Okay, here's five bucks. Go away. I mean, no, that's that's not going to do it. I mean, you know, we got to get a lot clearer than that. Okay, so okay, well, all right. I want to add uh, an extra ten thousand dollars a month to my income. Okay, well, now we're getting somewhere. All right, now, by when do you want that? Well, by next Tuesday. Okay, well, okay, <laughs> I, I get that. I get it. I mean, we're all impatient. We all want it now. And one of the reasons is, of course, because the gurus, those great marketers, great persuaders, great salesmen um, you know, they, they do that. They, they make it sound so easy. And of course they do that because they're great marketers. Nobody wants to buy something that's hard, right? You want to buy something that's fast and easy. You know, that's marketing, marketing one-on-one, make it sound fast and easy, you know, shake this on your food and lose weight. (laughs) (laughs) The problem is the, the FDA came on and said, uh, Hey guys, no, 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 no. That doesn't matter. Anyway. So the point is that of course we want it now. We want it yesterday. I get it. But Then the second thing that you need to do. So let's say you're clear on what you want. Fine. okay. well, then the second thing we need to do is say, well, why don't you have it right now? If you already knew it, because you probably already knew that, right? You probably already knew what you want or what you wanted. So then why don't you have it? And then people start listing all their excuses. Well, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. uh, You know, I'm I'm divorced. I got kids. I got a family. Right. Well, so you always have a reason why you don't have the thing right? Those are also known as excuses, right? But it's also what I call head trash. In other words, well, I want that thing, but I I don't think I can do it because, or or I don't think I can have that because, or I don't have it now because. Everything after the word because is your excuse. Everything after the word because is your head trash. And what's so funny is we will defend our head trash to the death, right? Stephen Covey once said, argue for your, your limitations and they're yours. And that's what we all do. We all do it, don't we? And we hang on to our limitations like we're hanging on to, you know, like a balcony on the third floor, like, ah, please don't let me fall. Yeah, it's like, no, we got to let go of those excuses. So whenever we're going after our goals, which is what we're always doing all the time, we humans, there's two forces at work. I call them the driving forces and the restraining forces. So it's exactly like your car. Right. So in your car, think about what your car is. It's a vehicle to get you where you want to go. That's all it is. It's a vehicle to get you where you want to go. Now, you could just walk, but probably take you longer. Right. I mean, you know, you can ride a bicycle, whatever. There's lots of ways to get there. But a car is just a pretty cool, fast, easy, convenient way to get to A from A to P. Right. A to Z, wherever you want. But in your car, there's two forces. There's the driving force of your foot on the gas. Right. On the gas pedal, which drives you, propels you forward. Right. And that's, in humans, that's called your motivation, your motivator. Interestingly, motor and motivator have the same root word, movere, which is a Latin root for, a Latin word for move. Movere means to move. Okay, I want to move, right? A motor motivation in in us, in our car, whatever. And so that's the driving force that propels us. But we also have the restraining force. That's the foot on the gas. i mean, excuse me, the, the brake, the foot on the brake. Now, what's the restraining force? Again, in the car is the foot on the brake, but in the human world, what is it? Well, there's lots of restraining forces. What's one of them? Fear, right? Fear. What if I go after this and I don't get it? What if I go after it and I get it? Fear of failure, fear of success. Hello. How can we have the same? How can we be fear of failure and fear of success at the same time? Don't ask me. We're humans. Have you met us? We don't make any sense. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're not logical. And so the point is that when you look at your foot on a brake, let me, let me make it really clear here. So, so in this guru space, right, here's what happens. So the person's, you know, driving down the road of life with one foot on the brake, one foot on the gas, they're not getting where they want to go fast enough. They're not reaching their goals fast enough. So they're frustrated, right? That's frustrating. So they're like, man, I I need help. So they, you know, they go to all these books, seminars, courses, gurus, whatever. So one, the first guru comes up and says, you know what you need, you need to put a, a better type of gas in your car. Okay, put this high octane gas in your car. It's really expensive, but it'll get you there. Okay, put high octane gas in your car, but you still have one foot on the brake. You're still getting the same result. The second guru says, you know what? You need a new set of tires. Get a new set of tires, and then that get these really expensive high-end tires, and then that'll get you there faster. Okay, buy it, spend money, buy the tires, put them on the car. Same habit, same result. Third guru comes along and says, you know what? You need a new car. Look at my fancy sports car. You know, I got a really fancy sports car. You should buy a new sports car. Come on. It'll get you there really fast. Look at, look at me. Look how cool I am. And you're like, okay. So you spend all this money, get a new sports car, but you're still doing the same habit and you get the same result, except you just spent a lot of money getting nowhere. So what I do is very different. I come along and I say, uh, did you know you have your foot on the brake? And they're like, uh, No. I said, did you know if you get your foot off the brake, we could actually get you to your goals like twice as fast with half the effort? And i like, really? Yeah, that's why we're able to get, you know, have people make more in 12 weeks than they made in the last 12 months without working or, in fact, working less than they are right now. And they go, where do I sign? Right. So <laughs> that's the difference. And, and when you think about it, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Because everybody out there is talking about motivation, motor, press on the gas harder. If you just think very logically here, if you're driving down the road of life with one foot on the brake and one foot on the gas and you step on the gas harder, what happens? You just ruin your car faster. (laughs) So isn't it, doesn't it just make logical sense? In fact, I asked one of my clients this very question. I said, uh, his name's Charles. I said, Charles, how much do you think your head trash is costing you right now? Without batting an eye, he instantly said a million dollars. If I don't get rid of this head trash, it's going to cost me a million dollars this year. I said, okay, I tell you what, you give me 10%, just give me 10% of that million dollars and I'll get you that million dollars back. If if you give me a dollar and I give you $10 back, is that a good deal? He said, yes, it is. So he paid me that. He paid me 10% of a million, which is $100,000. He paid me 100K. Well, in 12 weeks, we doubled his money because we just got his foot off the brake, you see? And now he recognizes what he was doing, keeping in mind that nobody does this on purpose. Nobody gets up in the morning and says, Wow, you know, this looks like a great day. You know what? I think I'm going to hold myself back from success today. Nobody says that, right? Because that's a conscious thought. All of this that I'm talking about is in the subconscious mind. Nobody does this on purpose. So you can, you can go to all the seminars and all the self-help you want. We literally have, I mean, people come to me, they, they are self-proclaimed self-help junkies. You know, they've been to all these seminars. And they're like, again, another one of my clients, she she was self-proclaimed self-help junkie. has been to all these seminars. And she was doing okay. I mean, she was doing well, but, you know, kind of plateaued. And then in two weeks after working together, she tripled her investment in two weeks. We hadn't even gotten to the money part yet. (laughs) And she tripled it in two weeks. So I could go on and on, but you get the idea.
0: Okay, hold on. If your mindset was shifted, you were inspired to innovate and you were spurred into action, don't just move on with your day. Focus, my friend, and take a few minutes to visit ceomischiefmaker.com to learn more about the value that was shared with you today. Please act now
1: and create some CEO mischief of your own.